Kurt, you ready? All set. Commissioner Little John, you logged in? Oh, I'm good. You're good? Okay. All right. I always keep forgetting this. Okay. Yep. Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday, November 1st, 2022, Lawrence City Commission meeting. Uh, normally, we might have our explanation of our meetings at the beginning, but we will have an executive session. Uh, so I will entertain any motions. I move we recess in executive session for approximately 30 minutes to discuss a personnel matter involving a city employee pursuant to the non-elected personnel matter exception, KSA 754319B1. The justification for the executive session is to protect employee privacy. The city commission will resume its regular meeting in the city commission room at approximately 5.32 after the executive session is concluded. Second. I have a first and second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. We will resume in 45 minutes. 32 minutes. Sorry. Now we're in it. Like 540. Well, no, we have to say it real quick. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. that's interesting about that. Recess. Ready. I think we're on. Porter, Kurt. We're ready, Mayor. Good. We have returned from an executive session. We have nothing to report. We will uh, remain in recess until the usual beginning of our meeting, which is 545, uh, so that members of the public who generally know that's when our meetings start will be here. Um, and we will give our announcements at that time. Do I need a motion for that? No, good. All right, we'll return at 545. Ready? Kurt, we're ready? All set. All right. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Are you locked in there? Like the Zoom Nazi. <laughs> I, I'm good now. Thank you, everyone, and welcome to the November 1st, 2022 City Commission meeting. We have had an executive session and returned. Um, we had nothing to report. Now we will have some uh, explanation of how our meetings operate. Uh, first from Porter O'Neill. Thank you, Mayor. Good evening, everyone. I just have a few housekeeping items for the Zoom portion of the meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting unless you are speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating in the meeting, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. Now I'll turn the meeting back over to Mayor Shipley. Thank you. And now we'll hear from Sherry Riedemann about general public comment. Thank you, Mayor. When the mayor calls for public comment, individuals attending in person should approach the podium to indicate they wish to speak. The podium can be raised and lowered, and we encourage you to use this feature to ensure your comments are heard. Individuals participating via Zoom should use the raise hand function to indicate they wish to speak. Please leave your virtual hand raised until you are called on. Individuals will be called on in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. 
Please state your name before speaking and all comments will be limited to three minutes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now we'll move on to the approval of the agenda. Do I have any motions? Move to approve the agenda. Second. I have a first and second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 This is five to zero. That brings us to recognitions and proclamations. Uh, we would like to proclaim November 2022 as Lung Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, do we have someone here uh, to speak? I don't believe so. Ma'am. Okay. That's fine. I will move on to the proclamation. Whereas lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer death among men and women in the United States, it accounts for more deaths than colon cancer, breast cancer, and prostate cancer combined. And whereas according to the Centers for Disease Control between 2015 and 2019 in Kansas, there were 9,635 new cases of lung cancer and 7,059 deaths. And whereas the five-year survival rate for localized lung cancer is 60%, yet only 24% of lung cancers are diagnosed at this stage. And whereas funding for lung cancer research is far behind funding of many other cancers, additional research is needed for early diagnosis, screening, and treatment of lung cancer, especially in lung cancer affecting women and lung cancer health disparities. And whereas African Americans have the highest lung cancer incidence and mortality of all races and disparities in lung cancer screening, diagnosis, treatment, and mortality are well characterized among African Americans and other racial minorities. And whereas lung cancer in never smokers is the seventh leading cause of cancer-related death and accounts for 17,000 to 26,000 deaths in the U.S. every year, 60 to 70 percent of never smokers diagnosed in lung cancer are women. The proportion of lung cancers diagnosed in never smokers is increasing in the U.S. And whereas organizations working in Lawrence, such as the American Lung Cancer Screening Initiative, Women's Lung Cancer Forum, are committed to educating about lung cancer and lung cancer screening and working to increase lung cancer screening rates in Lawrence. Now, therefore, I, Courtney Shipley, Mayor of the City of Lawrence, Kansas, do hereby proclaim November 2022 as Lung Cancer Awareness Month and recognize the need for research in lung cancer affecting women and lung cancer health disparities and to encourage all citizens to learn about lung cancer and early detection through lung cancer screening. Our next proclamation is to proclaim November 2022 as National Hunger and Homelessness Month and November 12th through 20th, 2022 as National Hunger and Homelessness Awareness Week. Do we have someone here to speak on this? It's like Danny. 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 Yeah. Good evening, Mayor and Commissioners. My name is Danelle Walters. And while I didn't have a presentation on this item, um, on behalf of the Housing Initiatives Division, I just wanted to express my thanks to the City Commission, the City Manager's Office, Planning and Development Services, and to our City Department partners for all the collaborative work around the issues surrounding those experiencing homelessness in our community. We truly appreciate the support and the work citywide that has gone into this space. And while we may be charged with leading the work, we simply cannot do it without the support and contributions of everybody involved. And I also want to thank those in our on our homeless program staff and those in the community out there that are doing this critical work. 
We have incredibly smart, talented, dedicated, and caring individuals who have put literal blood, sweat, and tears into this programming. And our community is better off because of the work that, that they are all providing to us. So just a, a simple thank you. Thank you so much, Mel. Now I'll read the proclamation. Whereas the National Coalition for Homeless and and Homelessness are sponsors of and have set November 2022 as National Hunger and Homelessness Month and November 12th through 20th, 2022 as National Hunger and Homelessness Awareness Week. And whereas the purpose of the proclamation is to educate the public about the many reasons people are hungry and homeless, including the shortage of affordable housing in Lawrence for low-income residents and to encourage support for homeless assistance services providers, as well as community service opportunities for students and school service organizations and whereas the intent of hunger and homelessness awareness month is consistent with numerous local organizations who are committed to sheltering providing supportive services as well as meals basic needs and supplies to the homeless and whereas the Lawrence City Commission recognizes that hunger and homelessness is a serious problem for many individuals and families in Lawrence and whereas people experiencing unsheltered homelessness those sleeping outside or in places not meant for human habitation may be at risk for poor health conditions, lack of housing contributes to poor physical and mental health outcomes, and connections to permanent housing for people experiencing homelessness should continue to be a priority. Now, therefore, I, Courtney Shipley, Mayor of the City of Lawrence, Kansas, do hereby proclaim the month of November 2022 as National Hunger and Homelessness Awareness Month and urge everyone to support efforts to end hunger and homelessness in our community. Thank you, Danelle. Uh, that brings us to our public comment. The public is allowed to speak on issues or items that are not scheduled for discussion on the agenda. Individuals should address all comments and questions to the commission. Contents, comments should be limited to issues and items germane to the business of the governing body. The commission will not discuss or debate these items, nor will the commission make decisions on items presented during this time. Each person will be limited to three minutes. Is there any public comment in the room? Hi, I'm Chris Flowers. Um, I just want to mention that the um, you guys will be electing a new mayor and vice mayor, I'm guessing next month. I haven't, I haven't looked, but that's how I remember it going in the past. And I just want to say, last year I was urging y'all to look at the way we choose who's mayor and vice mayor and not just follow tradition, but I mean, you all have the power to discuss who you want to be mayor and who, who you think would fulfill the roles of the mayor to the, you know, to the best ability. And you, do, I mean, you don't have to just do, like, elect Lisa Larson for mayor just because that's the way we've always done it before. Um, we, we're currently looking at how we have our, our government and talking about a directly elected mayor and um, uh, districts, but, I think you all should at least have the conversation about how are you all going to be choosing who's mayor and who's vice mayor. Um, 
And I believe that our, um, the advisory board or whatever that looked at this issue, um, I kind of remember them pointing out advantages of the stability of having a, a the same mayor for you know year after year and not just one year at a time. So maybe y'all should consider it. I'll, I'll probably be bringing it back up before then, but thank you. Thank you. Any further public comment in the room? What Chris fails to realize is that we don't have a mayor. We have a celebratory head of the city. The mayor sits over here. So does the police chief, the fire chief, the parks and recs chief, everything else chief in this town. He sits over here. These people do nothing but come in here and listen to us once a week. I personally don't have any problem with Lisa Larson being mayor because maybe she might teach somebody some lessons about letting other commissioners speak. I put in public comment that your 7070, resolution 7070 needs to be adjusted because we can't afford to be spending $340,000 on art, another $200,000 on art for another upcoming project. That shit needs to end. $50,000 cap, you got your 2% max that allows you to go for the smaller projects, but this crap with $20 million earning an art piece worth $340 million is for the birds. It's our money, not yours. You function on our money. You need to realize this. You function on our money. Let's get to the police. Contacted every single one of you guys and I sent it to you too. You have an officer that decided to use a pain compliance technique on somebody that had already had the wrap applied to them. The only thing left was to buckle them down in, on the chest. Their legs were completely restrained. They had their hands cuffed behind them. When the fuck is it going to be ending that we have officers assaulting restrained people in this town? When is it going to end? Are you going to end it? You're the chief. You're the mayor. Are you going to end it? Amber doesn't give a shit because she just comes in here and works on other stuff. She don't pay attention to any of this. You guys congratulate yourselves for your proclamation about homelessness. Do you really want to talk about homelessness in this town? Really? and you read a proclamation for it. The game is changing, guys. The game is changing. You may have scared Justin away. You will not scare me away. Bigger people have tried. People with more power and more authority have tried. You won't scare me away. People are bringing me information. You all know this now. Not everybody, but you guys do. I've sent it to you guys. It's not the first time that people are going to bring me information because you guys ain't doing shit. That's why they're bringing it to me. And what am I going to do? I'm going to blast it. I'm going to blast it. And I'm going to hopefully find somebody that has the standing to sue your pants off. And I'm going to help them do it because you guys aren't doing shit to change this. You had a city gate study that wasted money, didn't do anything. Now we got a police review board that doesn't do a damn thing and you're gonna review them again and come up with another policy. Why people still get beat. You got about three seconds left, losers. Is there any pu other public comment in the room? Hello, uh, that's a tough act to follow, but um, hi, I'm Brooklyn Mosley. I'm a resident of East Lawrence, and I am here today to just um, talk about 
the, I don't want to call it unhoused problem in town, the unhoused issue, and the issue that I have is the way that this community is talking about the unhoused in this, like the unhoused in general. I don't look at them as just being people who are outside of our community. I look at them as being people who are a part of our community. I see them as my neighbors that just don't have addresses. And um, it is one of those things where Resources are continuing to be scattered about this town. I think that that's exasperating the problem. We currently have a homeless shelter that is near the jail, and it is giving a really bad message. It makes it very difficult for people to get there. We, I live on Rhode Island Street and on New Hampshire Street. Prior to about a month and a half ago, we had a... Um, basically a place for people to get at least a lunch and now it's been moved all the way across town. I talk to unhoused people every single day because I have an adorable dog that wants to greet unhoused people on Mass Street and as soon as it moved, like, the first thing I noticed was just people telling me, oh, like, they've missed meals. And I have people, like, I basically, I talk to them all the time. They no longer ask me for things. They just like the fact that, like, I am willing to have a conversation with them. I am willing to ask them what their name is, where they're from, because I do see them as my neighbors. Um, and I think that we need to think about how the resources are laid out in this community and think about someone who does not have access to a car, someone who does not have access to things like getting into an Uber or additional money, like how are they going to get to that location? If you start from the camps that people live in and start walking, how long is it going to take you to get to a Salvation Army food kitchen that is now on the other side of town? And if you're starting from a certain point, if you're starting from downtown, how long does it take you to get all the way to the unhoused shelter that we have in town? So I am here to just say that, like, I think that obviously there is an issue here. My biggest concern right now is that we are coming up against the winter months. Um, and um, you know, I've already had like unhoused people just tell me how cold they are, and like it's not helpful that the weather is all over the place. But I really want to say that I currently like support this community. Um, I see them as our neighbors. I do not see them as being outside of our community. I only have a few minutes, and I think that the decision that you all make going forward is really going to determine how we think about the least amongst us in our community, um, because not not least amongst us as in like less than, but the least amongst us as in them having less. And do we see them as part of our community? Do we welcome them? And are we going to be respectful to them? So, and that's all I have. Thank you, Brooklyn. <clears throat> any other public comment in the room? <clears throat> Is there any public comment online? Raise your digital hand so Sherry can find you. There's no additional comments, Mayor. Um, great, let's move on to the consent agenda. All matters listed on the consent agenda are considered under one motion and will be approved by one motion. There will be no separate discussion on those items if discussion is desired. That item will be removed from the consent agenda and will be considered separately. Members of the public wishing to speak to an item that's been pulled off the consent agenda will be limited to three minutes for comments. Uh, commissioners, is there anything that you would like to see uh, removed for discussion on consent? No. Seeing none, is there anyone in the room? Echo to David. Any? Right. Thank you, sir. Is there any other items? Um, 
Okay, I have E2D and E7A. Anything else in the room? Is there anyone online who would like to remove something from the consent agenda? Raise your, raise your digital hand so we can find you. There's no one here. Back to the commission. Do I have any motions? Move to approve the consent agenda with the exception of E2D as in dog and E7A as an apple. Second. <clears throat> I have a first and second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 That brings us to E2D. Nothing that says Burt Nash on it should be on the consent agenda in this town until shit's fixed. You got a rehab center that they're involved in, and now it's supposedly going to be the county's looking at turning it over to connections. You guys got a Burt Nash governing board here. What are they doing to help you fix that problem? You guys are accepting minutes. How many of you have actually watched these meetings or refreshed yourself or know what these minutes were talking about? How many of you are actually involved in, in trying to guide this thing a little bit more to a conclusion rather than just dangling out there? Nothing that says Burt Nash on it should be on the consent agenda until those problems are fixed. Aubrey, you can have your time. Thank you. Any other, uh, let's bring it back to the commission. Any comments or discussion? Uh, let's <clears throat> check there's no public comment on this item in the room. Is there any public comment online? Raise your digital hand. There's no comments, Mayor. I'll bring that back to the City Commission. Any comments? Wow. Chair, do we have to approve those or we just yes. receive them? Since you're just receiving them, you don't need a motion. It's only when yours are pulled that you need a motion. All right. Then that brings us to E7A. Hi, um, this is Chris Flowers, and um, I just want to talk about the, the religious exemption um, part of the ordinance for the new tobacco regulations. Um, what, what will happen, I guess, if, if an 18-year-old goes to like a convenience store and they go to purchase cigarettes and they show an, an ID saying they're 18, which is under 21, but they say, but I need the cigarettes for religious purposes. Are they going to have to explain to the clerk uh, their religion? Um, and also, like, what if a clerk does sell tobacco to an 18-year-old after they say it's for religious purposes and the clerk doesn't ask any questions about it. Like, what well, the clerk's thinking, well, if it's for religious purposes, why should I, why should I question them? Um, who, who would the city hold like accountable if, a, if an 18-year-old lied about needing tobacco for religious purposes when it's just for them to smoke like if if 
a clerk sells it to them? Are they, will the city blame the clerk for trusting the teen when they said it was for religious purposes? Or will the city go after the teen for lying? Um, and I, I do think it's something you all should be looking at because I, I plan on letting everyone know that there's an exemption for religious purposes. And you, you all are putting it in this ordinance, so you should all should have thought about how this is going to work. Um, just, what, I mean, what, what happens if at the end of the year, a quarter of our high school seniors that are graduating have suddenly turned Wiccan and they need cigarettes for their magic spells. Um, just, just something to think about. Thank you. Thank you. That brings us back to commission. Any other comments or questions for staff? Um, Let's make sure there's no public comment on this item. Good afternoon, evening. I'm Vicki Collie Akers, Director of Planning and Policy at Lawrence Douglas County Public Health. We think that the religious exemption aspect of the policy is a critical aspect for ensuring equity. Um, it has been undertaken with the intent to protect the religious practices and traditions of different cultures for which tobacco is central. We are confident that training and support of retailers will be adequate in securing successful implementation of this policy. We'd also be happy to stand for any questions that you might have. Thank you. Any other public comment in the room? Let's check online. If you have any comment on this item, raise your digital hand. There's no comments, Mayor. Thank you. Let's bring back to the commission. Any questions or comments? I've got one. I could. Um, Somebody from legal talk about the religious exemption. Uh, good evening. I'm Maria Garcia, assistant city attorney. Um, Vice Mayor, that question really does go to enforcement, and I um, did want to defer to the health department in explaining how they planned on handling, um, you know, an argument on religious exemption. If it were to come to municipal court, um, we would evaluate that at the time um, that it's brought before the court. That argument could be raised, certainly, um, and I think that we will evaluate it and provide, you know, a legal opinion on that um, once it is in front of a judge. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Any other questions or discussion? I'd say we just, I mean, ordinances that have religious exemptions in them and, you know, they're handled on a case by case basis. That's, I mean, that's why the, it's a defense, you know, to the charge. And so um, it is something that, that both legal and courts deal with from time to time. And so, uh, I feel good about you know the ability of the health department, you know, and our retailers and our citizens to to work with that, and obviously um, we deal with it in other aspects as well. So, any other comments or discussion? Any motions? I move to adopt the <clears throat> second and final reading ordinance number ninety eight seventy eight, ordinance number ninety nine forty six. Second. I have a first and second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 That passes five to zero. That brings us to our work session. 
The work session provides an opportunity for the City Commission to discuss items in greater detail. The Commission will take no binding action on items presented during this time. Work session topics are eligible for live public comment. Each person will be limited to three minutes. Good evening. Oh, there you are. You're Good in real evening, life. Mayor. Sorry, you're in real life. I apologize. <laughs> Good evening, Mayor and Commissioners. Brick Crumkinell, City Economic Development Director. Uh, tonight, we want to circle back to a topic that we first discussed at our July Prosperity and Economic Security presentation. If you will recall, at that point, we were talking about the ETC Business Survey, which we were getting ready to uh, to finalize and send out, and the issue of oversampling came up uh, specifically to try to capture the voices of women and minority business owners. At that point, we decided not to pursue oversampling due to expense, but um, we staff was directed or we volunteered to come up with some alternative methods that we thought would be a little bit better about capturing those voices. So tonight we have Sam Camp with us, our economic development analyst. He's going to talk with you about um, a survey that he and our economic development partners have been working on to address specifically that. So with that, I'd like to turn it over to Sam. Good evening, commissioners. Um, there should be a, a slide or a presentation somewhere in there. <clears throat> Is it on the agenda? Yes, it should be yeah. in the agenda um, packet. You'll need oh. to pull it up Bless you. Bless you. Okay. Okay. This is <laughs> this is what happens. I'm we're all normally on the other side, so uh, uh, let's see. <clears throat> There we go. Um, so as Britt said, um, we're here tonight to talk to you about um, uh, our efforts to conduct a survey for women and uh, black, indigenous, and people of color um, owned businesses. Um, this is directly targeted at our uh, strategic um, objective PES5, um, which directly relates to women and minority business ownership um, in the city of Lawrence. Um, so just a little, a little breakdown of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, so like we said, the purpose is uh, to provide you an update on the work we've been doing to develop, distribute, and analyze the survey. Um, we're going to be just a brief context of how it flows into the strategic plan. Um, and we, we did have an edit, and this was uh, an oversight. Um, we're going to be talking about next steps first, and then going into an overview of the survey. Apologies for that. And then we can go into a, a Q&A and comments um, that we'd be happy to discuss with you. Um, so this is just a, a brief overview of the prosperity and economic security outcome as a whole um, as part of the strategic plan. I won't go through the whole thing, um, but I think the work that we're going to be talking about tonight highlights that middle section um, that states intentionally acknowledging, removing, and uh, preventing barriers created by systemic and institutional uh, injustice. Um, this is just further, oh, thank you, Porter. 
Um, this is just further um, strategic uh, plan context. Um, so within prosperity and economic security, um, we have uh, a total of 10 um, key progress indicators. Um, PES 5 is just one of those. And I think uh, this slide just really provides further context of this is a, a broader scope of the work that we're doing as a whole um, in our department and you know some of the others like planning and development services. Um, to just show a, there is a larger body of work that this is just simply a part of. Um, so diving a little deeper into PES-5, um, with the related strategies as part of the uh, city strategic plan as well as the economic development strategic plan um, that was developed uh, in, a, in partnership with Ernst & Young. Um, so we have our, our, you know, our progress indicator, the strategies that we have that in both plans that relate to that, um, mainly tied to providing uh, more resources and support for small and medium-sized businesses, um, ensuring uh, greater economic opportunities for historically marginalized populations, um, and if through the work through this survey as well as the um, ETC business survey that we have out, if we see a strong desire or a strong need for further incentives, either from the city or from any of our economic development partners, um, that will certainly be one of the strategies or uh, plans we pursue. Um, so this is those the, the current and next steps that I had mentioned. Um, so before tonight, um, kind of the beginnings of the survey, it started as a first draft um, in partnership with the city and our, and our economic development partners. This is mainly um, the Chamber of Commerce, the University, um, KU Innovation Park, uh, the KU Small Business Development Center, and Douglas County Corps. Um, <coughs> It started as a first draft of questions based on some of the current assumptions um, that we had, mainly through the work that we've already done um, reaching out to these communities, as well as existing surveys that, um, that were already that had already taken place um, either at a national or community level. Um, the questions were further reviewed and refined um, by a select group of women and BIPOC business owners. Um, to determine validity. And when we're talking about validity, um, one of the goals when we developed this survey was really to ensure that when these, this, the target audience was answering these questions um, and was completing the survey, they felt that their responses would matter. Um, we really wanted to make sure that their voices felt heard, that when the city and the chamber and the university and all these partners saw what they had said, that something would be done if that makes sense. So um, that's when we're talking about validity, that's what we mean. Um, so where we're at now, um, actually, maybe we can move a little further down that line, because yesterday, um, the partner organizations had a, a strategy meeting um, to develop kind of the marketing. Um, because this survey, unlike some of the other surveys we've done in the community, this will not be randomized. This will not be mailed directly to these businesses. Um, this will be a qualitative survey. Um, if you've had a chance to look in the agenda packet, you'll see a lot of them are more open-ended questions. Um, and this will be more what I've kind of described as boots on the ground. We're going to be meeting a lot of these businesses and a lot of these groups where they're at. Because um, I think that's part of the work for the survey as well is showing that we're willing to step out of City Hall, step out of our offices, and meet them on their time. Because um, I think that that helps build trust down the line. Um, so the survey, um, the next steps, um, the survey will be launched um, through the Lawrence Listens platform. Um, that was just one of the easier ways that we could 
legitimize the surveying you know, on the city platform as well as um, provide some ease of uh, data analysis on the back end. Lawrence Listens allows us to um, transfer all the data to an Excel sheet and a PDF that um, allows us to kind of work through um, and see what we can find. Um, and then uh, towards the bottom, um, after the target responses um, have been reached, we'll start doing that analysis. Um, and that because it is qualitative, it may take a little more time. Um, qualitative analysis really ends up um, becoming identifying themes, repeated phrases, sentiments that show up. Um, so it's not just as simple as creating a pivot table and seeing you know, where the cross tabulations happen. Um, and then part of that determination and that analysis will be um, if further what we've, what we've termed as like listening sessions or focus groups uh, will be um, held. Um, and so these we've, we've kind of asked whether the, you know, they want to be one-on-one -on -one sessions or group sessions. We've kind of really laid out um, the way that will work best for everyone. Um, and so moving to the right side, our goals um, for the survey, um, we, the, target, uh, uh, the target response rate um, will be about uh, 50 responses, uh, at least 50 responses um, from women and BIPOC-owned businesses. Um, that number comes from the, when we were discussing oversampling with ETC, um, that was their target for oversampling, um, and even though that was for a, a statistically valid, you know, scientific survey, um, when we had discussed with them if this would still be appropriate for a more qualitative, um, a more qualitative one-on-one -on -one survey, they they still thought that number was appropriate given the amount of women and minority-owned businesses in the community. Um, that that number would translate well with. Like the, the results would still be pervasive for the rest of the community. Um, we also want to determine um, what available resources are known or visible to this, um, to this audience. Um, it's one thing to say, you know, we have, for example, the Chamber or the KUSBDC, which do provide a lot of resources, but it's another thing to, for someone who doesn't know that those exist at all. Um, so it's determining, you know, do the resources exist, exist in the first place and how do we get, how do we connect, you know, one to the other. Um, we also want to know what is desired, what doesn't exist. Um, what, what doesn't exist and what is also not known, which kind of ties back to that first piece. Um, but there may be things that we don't currently do in Lawrence um, that people want to see that is done in other communities, which I think will make it a lot easier. Um, if moving forward when we have these results and we want to see what we um, can do, um, I think it'll be a lot easier if we look at other communities and see what they're doing and kind of translate some of those programs here. Um, which ties into the, the last bullet point. Um, we want to make sure that these programs um, and strategies are being uh, intentional. They're, they're being informed about what we're doing. Um, so that way it works best for everyone. Um, so moving into kind of the who, what, why, how. Um, so who it's for, um, as we've said before, women and BIPOC-owned businesses in Lawrence. Um, specifically, we're keeping the target audience in parity with what the ETC survey is doing. Um, so this will mainly be businesses who have a 
physical address, um, like a physical Lawrence address, so they have a storefront, um, or if they're a home-based business, if they have, you know, their, their home is located in Lawrence or they have a PO box at a Lawrence post office. Um, the results audience will be um, our resource networks and service providers. Um, so the city, basically everyone who is involved in creating the survey. But I think there are also a lot of others who uh, we might not have thought of in the first round to participate. But I think there's a lot of benefit that comes from the survey that we just haven't thought of um, in, you know, off the top. Um, so what it is, obviously, it's a survey. Um, we want to make sure um, we're collecting information on perceived or real barriers to business creation and growth, um, particularly in the areas of capital, technical knowledge, and support resources and networks. Um, and I'll kind of go, in that, uh, go into that a little more in the next slide. Um, and we also want to make sure we're capturing any positive aspects or experiences in the community. Um, one of the things we had talked about when we were first developing the survey was when we were seeing other surveys, um, some of them tended to focus on the negatives. You know, what are we missing? What are the gaps? Um, what, what, what do people not like about you know doing business or having a business in a certain area? Um, but that's not necessarily the case. You know, there are a lot of good things that are happening in Lawrence, and we want to make sure that those are amplified. Um, so if we are doing good things, we want to make sure we keep you know we keep doing them, and if we need to invest in them even more. Um, so for the why, uh, you know, women and BIPOC business owners in the city of Lawrence uh, particularly represent a disproportionately low number of total business owners in the community. Um, if you were to make a comparison to the overall population demographics, you know, about 50-50 for men and women, about 75-25 uh, for um, you know, white population to minority population, that is not represented in the um, business community. Um, for women business owners, it's approximately 5%. There's some flubbing when it comes to, you know, what you're comparing it to, but 5% is a, about where we're at with women-owned businesses, mm -hmm. and we're at roughly 1% uh, to 2% for minority-owned business owners. Um, so you can see there's a lot of, if, if we were to make the general population demographics our goal, there's a lot of ground to cover. Um, and so with a survey like ETC that's doing <coughs> scientific or statistically valid um, measurements, there, we felt that there was a real chance that those communities could be entirely missed in a statistically valid survey that, did, um, that had done random sampling. Um, we also want to make sure that uh, you know, our resource networks and service providers understand what they need to do to help and eliminate barriers. Um, it's the classic, you don't know what you don't know. Um, so we want to make sure that everyone is aware of the problems and the successes. Um, we want to make sure we capture that as well. Um, and kind of provides a roadmap for what needs to be done moving forward. Um, and one of the things we'd also discussed was um, some of the trending business models among women and, and BIPOC business owners may not necessarily be captured in traditional data sources where um, ETC and some others uh, collect some of their, their information for surveying and things like that. And what I mean by tra uh, trending business models is that um, that home-based business type um, that grew especially a lot during the pandemic. Um, in that uh, you know, there are people who 
they own a business or they, they might they might not technically be registered, but they you know they do a lot of work to you know sell paintings on Etsy or they sell products on eBay, things like that. That still technically qualifies, you know, as a business. You're you're providing a good or service for some kind of you know monetary value. Um, and so while that may not necessarily be captured in some of these traditional data sources, we want to make sure that those folks are still being heard as well. Um, and so lastly, the how. Um, I think this is what we've been talking about all night, but uh, and you know, and it, it is um, an initial survey um, that we're working on to provide a mix of quantitative and qualitative data. And then like I said before, we um, if if we reach our I'll say our threshold um, for uh, for a desire to participate in further listening sessions, either in you know one on one or um, kind of a group setting, um, that will be part of it as well. Um, and so, lastly, um, just as a way to kind of summarize the survey, um, so we don't have to go you know through the whole thing. Um, the major themes of the survey, um, right off the bat, one of the very first questions we ask is, are you satisfied with Lawrence as a place to do business? Um, this is a question that we have in our ETC survey, um, and it, it ties directly to uh, PES1, which is one of our other uh, strategic plan indicators, which that is, that is the indicator. How satisfied are you um, with Lawrence as a place to do business? Um, and like we've uh, talked about earlier, um, we want to make sure we um, know what resources are available and known to these businesses. We want to make sure uh, we know what resources are not available or known um, to this audience. Um, and one of the last things that we had seen in a couple other surveys that we wanted to emulate here is identifying um, some of the, the larger cost areas. Um, it was typical to see in other surveys um, where they were asking, what was the approximate cost of starting your business? How much did you need to put down, either immediately or within a year or so? Some of these startup costs, as well as where was that spent? Because um, it, it's, uh, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, it took a lot of money to you know, hire a couple of people to start my restaurant or things like that. But it's another thing to say, oh, it took me a lot to refurbish the outside or the inside of my historically owned property. Um, case in point, you know, something on Mass Street. It, it's historically, um, you know, historically uh, registered place. There's a lot more work that goes into something like that. Um, so is that something that we can help with, um, you know, the city, the chamber, and not, you know, someone in the community. How can we help with that? Um, so, and that's the end. So, we'd be happy to take any questions or comments uh, from the commissioner from the public. Thank you, Sam. Great job. Any questions, commissioners? Hey, Sam, I have a couple of questions. Mm -hmm. um, in your site where you said that you were planning to sample at least 50 um, women and BIPOC business owners, how many do we have based on your understanding of women and BIPOC business businesses in the city? Yeah. Um, so the last numbers that we had pulled um, roughly about a year ago this month, um, so from October, roughly 2021, um, the number that we have is um, approximately 274 uh, women-owned businesses and 102 minority-owned businesses. 
Um, this number comes from the, the data axle database, um, which lets us get in pretty granular into the detail. We can mark it down to business owner, ethnicity, um, you know, within the city of Lawrence. We can get pretty granular with some of that. So we are confident that that's the number that we have in the city right now. Okay. And so with that, with the oversampling, because women could include BIPOC individuals and, and BIPOC, I mean, had, how are you planning to balance the sampling of it? Is If you're very heavy in women, but are you focusing on BIPOC women or are you focusing on women as in Caucasian women? Because then you can have an oversampling of heavy Caucasian women in the conversation or just can, yeah can, so you're, you're essentially asking are we separating out yes. women owned business yes. um, we had not um, discussed that as a strategy to intentionally survey you know reach a certain target like 25 and 25 right. or 40 and 10 um, the goal is just to reach 50 um, I think um, once we start to get the survey out and we see where a lot of these you know if we do see um, a large majority are um, maybe white women or uh, minority men, or if we if we start to see kind of a greater parity, yeah. because we are doing this intentionally, because we are meeting people where they're at, and right. you know, word of mouth, we can go and do that work. We can make the time to go say, okay, let's go start talking to some of these people and getting them to participate more in the survey. Okay. So. And then the others are kind of, I can save that for discussion, but I did have one more. Mm -hmm. At any time in putting this together, I know the emphasis is on talking to BIPOC business, women and BIPOC business owners without controlling for, you know, controlling for the pandemic, I guess, controlling or not controlling for the pandemic. Did you put any thought or consideration into speaking with women and BIPOC business owners who have shuttered mm. since the pandemic to at least hear their voice in that? Or do you feel like that is, that's a whole nother area that could come in that that information quality of information could be shared at a different time? Yeah, I mean, we can certainly, um when looking at, I, I think there's a way in data actual to determine um, businesses that were closed or don't um, exist at you know this moment in time. I don't know if there's a way to determine if they were done, if they closed within the last two years or not. Okay. I don't know what you know what timeline it provides. Right. Um, I yeah, I would say. I mean, we could certainly find a way to do that. Um, I don't want you, I don't. and we can talk about it more in discussion. I think there, there was a, I just wanted to ask the question because it'll lead to more discussion later on, but okay. I just didn't know if there was, if that came up in your conversations with, with partners, was there a space to engage individuals since this is a underrepresented group in our community to at least hear their voices if we know of women and BIPOC business owners who in the last year or two had closed their business and to, to at least get their perspective um, that could be of additional help in, in the work that you and Britt are doing. So mm -hmm. we well, can talk about that discussion. Yeah, well, I will just say really quick, um, as we're talking about it, it reminded me, in the ETC survey, um, one of the questions we have is, um, I think it, it 
says something along the lines of like, what are your business plans the next year or two? And one of them is like expanding your business, keeping employees, as well as I think one of them says closing my close business. Or, yeah. yeah, so um, that could certainly be. Okay, come up. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other questions? All right, let's make sure there's no public comment on this item. Thank you, Sam. Don't go far. <coughs> Not seeing anyone in the room. Is there any public comment online? No, Mayor. All right, thank you. Let's bring it back to the commission. Uh, any other discussion or further questions for Sam? No, I'm, I appreciate you putting that together, and I'm anxious to see how the results come out. Um, information we gather from from the survey, as well as the ongoing process of actually, you know, bringing them in person and talking to them. So I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, Commissioner Will John, I had a couple. Um, I didn't see anywhere on the survey. Maybe I missed it. Is there a spot for anybody that potentially started a business and it failed and just started another business? Um, uh, just, uh, you know, kind of those folks that have tried and failed but are, are still trying again. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, another one I was thinking of was the listening sessions afterward. Mm -hmm. um, will there be any sort of folks that have capital there, like any sort of people from banks or any sort of um, financial institutions that you know can provide vi valuable advice for folks um, just in that immediate um, prospect of you know what you want to do how you want to start your business what you're looking for things of that sort that initial touch that they can go ahead and follow up on yeah um, so to answer your first question um, not necessarily um, is there you know do we have a definitive way to figure out if they're on their second or third venture thing we do have a question that asks how long is your business been established, so if they say less than one year, like we can figure out if they're relatively new. Um, and thinking about the ETC survey, I, I don't know if there's a question that directly targets that as well. Um, so unfortunately that's not in there. Um, speaking to the, the listening sessions, um, our thought when developing the listening sessions or, or you know, putting that as a as an option in place, or you know, moving forward, um, we had thought about it more as um, similar to the the listening sessions that were done for the climate action plan with the county. Um, so they're more of just longer form sessions where maybe there wasn't something that was captured in the survey that they wanted to speak to, um, or they didn't want to. You know, it's it's you know, it's going to be a small box on you know a website, and they have to type it all out. Um, but if they wanted to speak more, you know, half an hour or something, um, and they wanted to to do that, that's really what we thought of it more as, rather than a uh, a community help session. It, I don't know if that's the right you want to term it that way, but um, that's what we felt the direction of those listening sessions would be. Okay. Yeah, I just, I mean, I just thought of initially at, at, at the other way, just for folks to go ahead and establish that relationship. Um, with those folks that you know do are experienced in that world and do um, help out 
other businesses, maybe not on the scale that some folks started them at, but they can provide helpful advice in that, in that regard. So. And if I may respond, Britt Crumkino, Economic Development Director, I think those are the types of things we're hoping to learn from the survey that we follow up on. So if they really lacked that type of service, then that would be something that the city and the ED partners would focus in on bringing to these different groups and trying to get that information to them. So I, I see that kind of as the next follow-up. Gotcha. Just a couple of comments. Um, really enjoyed looking at the survey. Um, I did have the questions about the oversampling, which I do feel comfortable with how you and Britt are going to navigate that, so I don't really have any concerns about that. I think there is an opportunity if capacity and access to data can get you information on women and BIPOC businesses that have closed within the last year or two. Um, I do believe there are some voices there. I mean, I know of several women slash BIPOC businesses that have closed. Um, and I think there would be some value in, in, in hearing their, their voices. But I, I don't want to conflate that with this project or at least derail it in any way because you, you've been on task and, I, and you've stuck to, the, to your milestone. So I want to be able to keep you to that. Um, I did have a question about, um, I did have a thought about question 14. Um, which relates to approximately how much was needed uh, to start up your business, so capital dollars, and what was your main funding source for those initial costs and things of that nature. I, I, I guess the, the control freak in me would like to see at least the dollar piece quantitative, so I mean, and there could be an option there to to prefer not to respond, because I almost feel like because you're asking about different industries up top, that you may there may be some value in knowing if there's a trend in capital costs with different industries as it relates to retail, as it relates to technology or information or agriculture. So, um, but I think if you can get folks to at least identify, like you said, to the dollars, I I think maybe. If, if, if there was a multiple choice where it was 10 to 20, 20 to 30, so folks may, they may be off in this number. I don't know. I'm just, that's a little bit of a rabbit hole there, but I think either way, hopefully you'll be able to capture that that data because I think there will be something to be said if, to map out industry and startup costs and what that means for, uh, for these individuals. Um, and I was looking at the ETC survey, um, and there is a question on our question 19 that asks, is your business minority or woman or a woman-owned business? And I didn't, I don't know if it's a value to put on this survey if they've completed, if they completed the ETC survey, um, since that's all anonymous, but I, you know, that might be when your focus groups, that could be a question to come up to say, you know, if you notice that of your 50 individuals that were surveyed, none of them participated in the ETC survey, is is there is there a, a cross-cutting opportunity there? Did it have something to do with marketing? Did you see it and you just didn't want to bother with it? So that could be an opportunity to capture some some indirect information that could be helpful to to our, our comms and marketing department. And I think. 
I think that's all. I looked at question 12. Um, but then I, I remember these are things that could come out of the conversation, so not to get ahead of ourselves and to preempt, you know, I didn't want to, a sense of front load into participants what they think they should be answering and questions they think they should be asking, but to have this come out organically. So I thought about maybe adding something like that to it, but I don't think that's necessary. But I think at least asking a question if they participated in the ETC, ETC survey would be helpful. But other than that, I, I like the way the questions are, are laid out. It's going to require folks to do some deep thought on this. Um, and knowing that um, you and Britt have committed to stepping outside of City Hall and you know putting those boots on the ground, I think truly speaks to um, what it is that we're trying to do in the culture of what we're trying to do with our strategic plan and the work that we're doing around economic development. So I couldn't be more excited about this and glad that you and Britt are leading this work. So thank you. Thank you. Um, just really quick to address some of your comments. Um, I, I wish I could have put like a disclaimer somewhere on the survey. Um, so because this is going on Lawrence Listens, um, we've been working with Porter's team to kind of um, find out what is the best format for asking some of these questions. That's that is one of them. Do we need? To, would it be easier on the back end when we're doing that analysis to just put? blocks of zero to 5,000, five to 10,000, something like that. Um, one of the other questions we had thought about was um, some of the ones that like um, ask about like your top two or three, you know, this or that, um, changing that to um, rather than just suggestions, making those kind of already listed and then you kind of rank up and down. Rank them. Um, yeah. Uh, so that, I hope that addresses your concern about that question. Um, and so for your other comment, I just want to make sure I, I understood that you wanted to um, see if, about including a question, like if they've already participated in the ETC survey, if we yeah. can, okay. Um, I will say um, we had, a, we had a, a meeting with Ryan at ETC last week um, and we received what we thought was pretty good news. Um, they're still collecting the results. We're at about uh, a little over 200 out of 300. Um, from his early estimates, from his look at the raw data, um, we had roughly 80 responses were from women and minority businesses. So I think regardless, even if we didn't ask that question, I think there will be a lot of crossover. Um, I mean, we can certainly either in the listening sessions or in yeah, here, we can- Yeah, maybe it's in the listening session to see what they thought of, you know, and, and what they thought of the feedback from there. Because I mean, then that's two surveys that they've completed. So mm -hmm. it'd be interesting to capture some of that in that one-on-one -on -one setting. So maybe not here, but definitely in the one-on-one setting that could generate additional conversation around what you're hoping to capture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we're really hopeful that that um, high participation rate already in the ETC survey will kind of buy us some goodwill to participate in the survey as well, so. Yeah. Great, any other comments? Well, again, thank you so much, Sam and Britt. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for your work. That, unless, uh, I do want to check with my uh, fellow commissioners. We began at five. Is everyone okay to forge ahead? All right. Um, our regular agenda item number one is consider authorizing the city manager to execute a memorandum of understanding with Rack LLC. And I think, think Randy will be speaking with us about this. Yes, Mayor, Vice Mayor, uh, Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. Uh, we bring this back to you. This was, agreement was before you last week. 
Uh, as you're aware, WANREC has an agreement with the school district where they're going to connect all the schools within the city uh, with fiber optic cable. They want to use the city's rights of way to do that. Uh, we negotiated, our city staff negotiated a contract with WANREC and with a 5% uh, where we would get 5% of the gross revenues generated by WANREC as a result of the use of the right of way. WANREC would like to request a waiver of that 5%, which we were not comfortable doing on our own because of, you know, the right of way is a valuable asset and we do pay other entities for rights of way usage. Anyway, but in the past, the city has on occasion waived fees for use of right of way if a community benefit has been given, for example, uh, internet provider who gives uh, services to lower income and uh, residences, that, that's been waived in the past. And sometimes there's unique or just de minimis uses where the use of the right of way has been waived. In any event, um, we're back here tonight before you. Um, uh, this is a city commission decision and it's up to your discretion how much you want to charge up to 5%, which is what we agreed upon, anywhere from the waiver to 5%. And other than that, I don't have anything to add. Uh, if there's any questions, I will stand for questions. And I believe representatives of WANRAC and school district are here to either make a presentation or to answer questions. Great, thank you, Randy. Any questions for Randy right now? Uh, let's go ahead, unless, yeah, okay. Let's go ahead and, and hear from our. Well, WANRAC, no presentation tonight. I think I had a chance to speak with you last uh, meeting, but any questions, I'm available. Oh, excuse me, Dave. Thank you. Yeah, Go ahead. I'm David Veneri. I'm the IT director for the school district. And again, if you have any questions, I hopefully can answer for you. Thank you for being here. Are there any uh, questions? Go ahead. I just want to confirm, we asked this last time, but confirm that if we waive this fee, that's going to be a savings for the school district. No offense. <laughs> Not rain rack. Is that correct? It would be a savings to you. It'd be we'd be passing that savings on to you to the school district, not going to the pocket of Wainwright, correct? If it's the way it's stated, as if it's waived, um, they will not charge us yes. for that. Thank you. Okay. Great. It's my understanding that the savings on that is um, equivalent to about thirty-nine hundred dollars a year. Is that correct? What I read in the memo. Uh, this is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. Yes, I, I believe it's six thousand five hundred dollars a month is the agreement over the next five years with WANRAC. Uh, we would obtain five percent of that, and over a course of year, that'd be three thousand nine hundred dollars. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Any other questions, Commissioners? Over there. Uh, don't go far. Uh, let's see. Comment. All right, is there any public comment on this item online? If so, raise your digital hand so we can find you. There's no public comment on this item. All right, thank you. Let's bring it back to the commission. Uh, discussion or, or further questions? I'll make a motion. I move to authorize the city manager, manager to execute a memorandum of understanding with Wayne Rack LLC, a Delaware corporation. But with or without the fee in it? With, yeah. 
Without the fee. Without the, yeah, waive the fee. Waive the fee. Okay. I'll second that. I have a first and second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 That passes five to zero. Thank you for coming again. We really thank appreciate you. that. Appreciate thank it. you. And thank you, Randy. <laughs> Let's move on to the second item. Uh, again, want to check. You guys don't need a break here. All right. Um, consider a landmark nomination. Oh, sorry. L22000027 to the Lawrence Register of Historic Places. I'm not seeing where to share my screen. There we go. Thank you. Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. Really excited to be here tonight for something fun and adventurous. Um, this is a landmark nomination for the Handel T. Martin House. It's located at 1709 Louisiana Street. It's been nominated under Criteria 3 for identification with a person who significantly contributed to the development of the community, county, county state, or nation, and then Criteria 4 for its architecture. This is the property location here in blue. This would be 17th Street on the north, Louisiana on the east, and then down here would be 18th Street. This is a photograph of the house showing the front elevation. Some of the architectural detailing, you can tell there's shingles in the gabled ends. You have these really nice eave returns here. There's bracketing underneath the um, gable end and the eaves, wide overhanging eaves, a really nice front porch. This is reminiscent. It's an actually, it's a four square structure with colonial revival detailing and a little bit of craftsman influence. This is showing one of the sides of the structure that's the north elevation and then the rear elevation. Your um, staff report noted that there were two additions to the structure on the rear and this was um, we believe an open sleeping porch and an open porch underneath that got enclosed for additional space for this structure probably sometime in the mid-1940s. This is showing the 250-foot environs for the property. And then just to tell you a little bit about um, Handel T. Martin, because I love to try to say this and get it right. <laughs> He's associated with the developing field of vertebrate paleontology during the period of significance for the house, which is 1917 to 1931. Martin served as field and laboratory worker and instructor and assistant curator at the National History Collections at the University of Kansas. According to the National Register of Historic Places nomination, Martin has been recognized by the Vertebrate Paleontology Program at the University of Kansas for his significant contribution to the fossil collections and for the training of numerous students who went on to distinguish careers in the field during the 20th century. The um, Historic Resources Commission adopted a resolution nominating this, recommending nomination for the City Commission, and that report was included in your agenda packet. 
the questions as part of that report or the lack of significance or the significance of the property. And as I mentioned, it's being nominated for its significance for its architecture and its association with Handel T. Martin. The explanation of the integrity, the structure retains integrity and in design and location. The case of the nominated landmark found to meet criteria for designation, the things that should require certificate of appropriateness are the fenestration pattern, the windows and window details, door openings, the historic form of the structure, which is that four square form. The primary porch form, the dormer shapes and placement, the wood lap siding, the shingles and the gables end, the bay projections, and the wide overhanging eaves. Um, And that's pretty, the Secretary of the Interior Standards would be used for um, guiding those projects that would come before the Historic Resources Commission. And it's important to note, I know this is kind of a stock paragraph that we always include in these nominations that you see, but the primary goal of the HRC is to build a register of properties which show the diversity and growth of Lawrence since its inception. The nomination of this property is another step toward registering a wide variety of historic properties which together present a visual history of Lawrence's past. The goal of the Lawrence Register of Historic Places is to represent all socioeconomic strata, residences, businesses, and industries which illustrate the diversity that has been prevalent in Lawrence since its inception. And staff is recommending that you adopt Ordinance 9945, designating 1709 Louisiana Street as a landmark on the Lawrence Register of Historic Places. And I'd be happy to stand for any questions you might have. Thank you so much. Any questions right now? No, that's great. Great. Um, is, did you have any uh, owners or anyone that wanted to speak? I believe the owners may be online. Yes. Is it yourself, Warren Frick? Yes. <laughs> Would you like to speak with us? Sure. Um, my name is Warren Frick. Uh, I'm the owner and live in the property at 1709 Louisiana. Uh, thank you for considering our nomination. Um, Ms. Zollner did a great job outlining the uh, uh, property and uh, Handel Martin's contribution to the history of the property. I would just add that uh, Charlie Black also lived in this house in the 1940s, <laughs> the only four-time All-American basketball player to, to uh, play at KU. Interesting. <laughs> That's very cool. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for offering your property up to be on the register. You're welcome. I have a question for the property owner, Mr. Frick. Hi, I'm Lisa Larson. And um, I drive by your property quite a bit as I cut through campus to get to my house. And when I noticed about a month or so ago that you were installing geothermal on the property. Is that correct? That's correct. That's, that's great. I really appreciate that. And just the mix of historical with new, I think that's a, 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 a really good good process. I appreciate it. Yeah, we can't, can't wait to start saving on our electrical bill. <laughs> that's great. We'll have geothermal and you will. <laughs> 
Yes, sustainability and historic um, uh, properties can go along together. Thank you. Um, any other comments or questions right now? Let's make sure there's no public comment on this item in the room. Doesn't look like it. Is there anyone online who has raised your digital hand? We'll find you. No, Mayor. Great. Let's bring it back to the commission. Again, um, I'd like to thank the owner and Lynn for her work. Any comments? Discussion? Beautiful place. Yeah. Yes. That's also my old stomping ground, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited to see it um, well kept. Thank you. Any uh, motions? I move to we adopt on first reading ordinance number 9945, an ordinance of the city of Lawrence designating 1709 Louisiana Street as a landmark on the Lawrence Register of Historic Places. Second. I have a first and second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 That passes five to zero. Thank you so much. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's bring it back to our agenda here. Those are our regular agenda items. That brings us to commission items. Are there any items commissioners would like to bring up at this time? What you got? What you got? <laughs> no, I'm just going to take a point of personal privilege. <laughs> <laughs> Today is November 1st, which in my organization, Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority, which is a national historic African-American based um, sorority, um, this is, we call this the first day of Rovember. I know there's other Rovembers, but this is our Sigma Gamma Rovember. And so we are celebrating our 100 year, and I know that I have made um, very discreet and non-discreet um, references about my sorority because I love it so much. Um, but we are celebrating 100 years and I look forward to going back to Indianapolis to do our official celebration because our, our founding day is November 12th. And so um, I'll be there again um, to have a more special intimate, but I mean, I've just been so excited. And anytime I, I get to deck out in royal blue and gold, uh, which are my sorority colors, um, I, I I do that, and, and one is just a way of sharing with the community just the diversity of, of who we are and, and what makes us up and how that through line comes through our community. So so happy Rovember for, for, to the community on behalf of Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority. Thank you, I congratulate you. Thank you. Yeah. Nice. Um, I will remind commissioners that we are hurtling towards the end of the year. So uh, do you have, make sure you don't have any commission items you want to bring up before uh, the big handoff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the city manager's report. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, three items on the report. I'm going to actually make uh, comments on all three of them. Um, starting with the number one, um, I uh, finally fulfilled your request that a prepare a plan and bring to you um, a, a, a plan to move forward on review of our boards and commissions to better align it with our strategic plan, which is something that's been talked about before. Um, so I'm proposing a process of um, appointment of a committee of uh, existing board chair members um, that you may select from plus um, the talents of our 
uh, city attorney, city clerk, and myself. Um, and one thing that I overlooked, and she's in the audience, but um, Hannah Ballard is our engagement manager. I'm introducing her, but also um, I should include her in the work as well because, uh, as she reminded me, um, our boards and commissions are a really important part of our engagement with the community. So um, her um, views on that will be really uh, useful in our work as well. Um, this is my suggestion. Um, if you give me maybe any feedback or comments, we can prepare a resolution to move this plan or whatever you'd like to do forward uh, quickly. Thank you very much. Any other questions? No questions. No. Uh, uh, if we like your idea, uh, how quickly do you believe you could bring us a resolution to move forward on this? Um, it, it, it really, I've, I've written it out here, so I think capturing it into resolution form, uh, we can get this done by next week or the week after. Does that meet with everyone else's? Yeah. I do have a few comments. Is, yes. is that okay? I'm here for you. Yeah, I, I appreciate what you put together here and your idea of, um, obviously, we've been wanting to narrow this down for many years. Um, and your suggestion of having five committee members, um, and I think it was five, yeah, it was five, and then narrowing it down, at least 10 um, boards. I would like for the, the commission to consider even um, narrowing down the boards to align with the topics of our strategic plan so there's six items there to consider that whether that's work that's something that can be dis discussed as part of the committee as to whether or not that would work um, and then also instead of just five from um, five members from the uh, current boards I would like to see that to um, expand to 10 with five of them being from boards and five of them being from the general public um, so we can get an idea from the general public you know what their thought is on this um, as to as to how this should work um, in the idea of having each commissioner nominate two yeah I'm not sure I mean I certainly I, I certainly support this idea of of aligning our, um, our committees with you know our strategic plan the six but we also have the five you know um what's the word commitments commitments yeah you have you have the six outcomes and the five commitments so which and so that you know um as i think about that is i mean i i think you could i could see six i could also see a lot you know 11 one for each commitment one for each outcome i could also see some combination of those so i guess i'd leave it you know, slightly open um, to see how we come forward with that. But I do think the important part is is that we're aligning our our boards with those outcomes in our strategic plan, and then we're giving those boards direction in ways they can help us to accomplish that strategic plan. So. I guess I want to prejudge that exactly, but I see what you're saying. I mean, if we can get to yeah. six, I'm not going to be opposed to that. I'm yeah. just saying. That was kind of a start. Have the committee discuss, you know, how that would fit best with our strategic plan. But, yeah, I think I'm open to Yeah. just lining it up with our strategic plan as well. Yes. That, to me, that's the goal. Yeah. And I would agree, Commissioner Finkelday. I don't want to give the group a small 
parameter to, to work with to begin with, I, to the point if it comes down organically that they believe that the outcomes and commitments of the strategic plan can be executed with six, us going from 22 to six boards, um, then I would like for that to be organic, not for us to preemptively state to them that you need to get this down to six, because then you may, you, you may remove some of the parts of the process that will go overlooked. So again, I don't want to create a smaller parameter. Um, as far as the 10, it's kind of getting, in, it's getting a little heavy because then that's a total of 13 people. And I mean, if we have the five and then you have the city manager, the city clerk and the city attorney, that puts you at eight. So maybe two people so that we have it at 10. I mean, the more, the more people on a board, the more people on a committee, the more hairy it can get. And so I, I, you know, I don't know what the, what, I guess my, let me step back real quick. Whether it's two people or five people, what were you hoping these five individuals from the community, their role in this? Would it be that these are five people who have at one point served on a board of commission, or these are individuals who never have, or what? What? what is their value add to the... Yeah, I think the value add is that the reason, one of the reasons we have our commissions and committees is to get public engagement to hear what the public's saying at that level. And so I think it's important that those who aren't on a board currently, um, whether they've been on a board before, that's fine, whatever, um, just to get their take on what they think about our, how valuable our commission and boards, our boards are. So. so could it be that... You see, that's where I'm getting caught up. Because, I mean, if these are five additional, if we're going to look at five additional individuals, then I don't want to have, then I see a different value as to five individuals who have never served on the board as opposed to five who have. Because those are two different conversation dynamics. So mm -hmm. I think it depends on what you hope those individuals bring to the committee that will determine if, because, I mean, could I sit on it? Or well, we can. We can have it, commissioners sit on. But would they be on the board, or would they just be? Wait. You talking about part of the committee? I'm, I'm talking about as part of the committee. Yeah. I, that's why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Little, I guess I would. Did you mean people with former experience, or? I think you it could. Anything I, in mind? No, I didn't have anything in the mind. I think it can be anybody within our community that, um, yeah, that would like to, you know, have some say in this. Um, I, I just think that to limit it just to board members, that leaves out the folks that we're wanting to engage with. Mm -hmm. I mean, a large population of folks we want to engage with, and I'd like to get their ideas on it. I'm, I can see the value of having some people besides existing board chairs, but I guess I, I think five of them would, I mean, I think that'd be a really big committee. So I would do something, and, I, and I'd certainly don't need to appoint people to the committee. I know we do that sometimes, but I think five existing board chairs and maybe, you know, two non-board chairs plus those three or something would be, would be fine by me. How big is your code change committee? What? How big's your code change committee? It's my code change committee is big. <laughs> but that's okay. Well, let us not exceed big. that. Yeah, well, no, that's no, a big yeah, committee. No, no, no. <laughs> no I'm, fi I'm fine with number. I just threw out the numbers just to make it even. Um, yeah. I don't, it doesn't have to be, but I also don't want to limit to just board chairs. Um, yeah. 
and and I can and, see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I definitely would like to see members of the general public involved. Well, they're going to bring back the you're going to bring us back a resolution. So I think maybe have them talk about it, and as long as other people think there should be at least some number of non-chairs on it. I'm yep. fine with two additional, so then that makes it ten. The entire committee. But would yeah. my on the the staff that are on that are they considered part of the committee or are they the li liaison? I don't know what you want to call it. Are they actually part of the committee? I I, I didn't. I don't have an opinion on that, honestly. Um, if we get it to having to vote on things, um, it probably is going to be a strong recommendation. I think this will be a very strong consensus. Um, we're there to advise and try and build something. Ultimately, you're going to have to vote on it. Right. Um, so we can bring a recommendation forward, whether it's a split vote or not vote, sure. um, to you, as yeah. you sometimes get here. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, I just don't, I, I guess I'm not, I didn't view the staff as being part of the committee, more of um, in the role of providing information as well and guidance on our strategic plan because, you know, obviously staff is in deep on that. Um, so that's how I had looked at staff on that. Liaison. What did you say? Liaison. Yeah, like a liaison yeah. or whatever. Yep. I don't want the number to be equal to the number of chairs. So, however we interpret, I, I think if we have five existing board commission chairs, two to three people from the community is more than enough. And I say that yeah. because we don't, whether the conversation, there's going to be nuances regard, as if these are individuals who have served on boards, city boards and commissions, or individuals who have never engaged. And so, I think if we're not going to identify that then if we want to keep an even number then I would say no more than three individuals from the community in addition to your five boards existing board and commission chairs low number makes for good communication <laughs> yeah I'm fine with that um, were you wanting to limit it just to board chairs though Okay. No. no. So you have the five existing board and commission chairs, and then you wanted three people from the community. Yeah. So that'll work. Yeah. I think I chose five because if we wanted each to have two selection, but that doesn't have to be. Yeah, well, that works with me. <laughs> with you. Okay. Okay, we'll cogitate so on that a little. Did I hear seven or eight? Eight. eight? eight. Okay, so eight appointees by you and staff, whoever we want, are serving in liaison role to advise and participate. Okay, we'll bring that back to you hopefully next week. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, the rest? Uh, the, uh, in the four months is good. Just some of the mm -hmm. points four months we'll do our best to make, make that and the charge also um you know to bring back not just this is the alignment of the boards and commissions but we'll do some work that's really staff has been working on since i got here of, of um how to uh standardize um rules of procedure um how do they bring things to you which isn't standardized um some of these other things that you know we've seen work well in some boards and commissions and don't work well others but to get that standardized orientation um um 
uh, rules of conduct, procedures, those sorts of things. So th there's a lot to do in four months. Yeah, and there'll be the same rules for each board because that's one thing yes. that's an issue now is we got different rules for. Right, relationship of the liaison, the staff liaison, um, all those things. Um, thank you for that. Uh, the next item on the neighborhood plans progress, uh, that's just really an update. Um, all of our departments are very hardworking right now. Uh, the planning department is very hardworking. They've got a lot of um, on their plate. Some of it wasn't even planned at the beginning of the year. So um, Jeff is giving us a realistic estimate and update on some of the neighborhood plans, which we know are important. And um, so I appreciate him giving you that update. And they are uh, trying to manage that and, and bring, bring those plans forward as soon as they can. Wanted to update that. Um, and on future agenda items, um, we have uh, a couple of you have mentioned the imbalance here. Here we're right at 7:15 tonight, and almost on the cusp. And um, <laughs> not, not going to help. And uh, the eight, eight, the eighth. Uh, we always keep election night pretty light. Yeah. But this is really light right now, so we may try and put some things on there, try and get this resolution before you. Um, and then the 15th does have uh, quite a heavy agenda. There's a couple items, I think, that are coming that aren't even on here yet, but I just wanted to alert you to that. Um, let's see. And we had the Human Relations Commission recently. I was in your minutes that you approved, and I think mm -hmm. they were urging you to take some rapid action on something, that a uh, proposal that they have brought forward to you. And I'm just elevating that in case you wanted us to be aware of that on the scheduling yeah because it was there was it chapter chapter and chapter and 13 sorry thank yeah. you my I'm, I'm hunger fog because mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I know that they had their meeting special meeting on it and then there was with afford the affordable Ahab spoke on it as well Yeah, I understood the next step was to go to attorney review. Oh, right. Which is underway. Yeah. Um, I think they had wanted to see some kind of action in November. Or mm -hmm. November, if you will. Thank you. <laughs> November. That counts as a joke. <laughs> so were you thinking, like, November 8th or November 15th? Ooh, that's kind of quick. I, there... The legal review still has to happen. Um, we're just really, I'm highlighting what okay. your board and commission asked of you. Yeah. <laughs> and we can get it scheduled, but it, um, time is short. Right. Yeah. When are we, and I noticed I was looking on here, we don't have setting our legislative agenda. And I know we typically did that after the first meeting of December. I mean, it's a month, not even a month from now. I mean, if we can get it in December, if we think a, a, a legal review could be done by in the next 45 days, we can at least read it in and discuss it by that December 13th meeting. We, we could plan for that and see how it goes. We'll okay. give you an update. <laughs> We can shoot for that. Okay. Yeah. If we can. An another item that I don't see on the um, future agenda items is the um, discussion that we will have about the 
short-term rentals. We had talked about having a discussion on that. I thought that was in the is it on there? Andrew's report last in our last meeting. Yeah, she's saying it's not in the future agenda items. Yeah. No, but I thought it was in the city manager's report from the 18th. I think we gave you the the last right on it, but I don't okay. know that we heard. Now we should bring something back to yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And now that you've read that report, do you yeah. still want to take that up? You know, I have to go back and look at it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Talk about that next we'll week. Talk next week. There. <laughs> that part. This is a public comment item. Is there anyone in the room who would like to make public comment on the city manager's report? Not saying anything. Uh, oh, I see someone online. Uh, Monty? Yeah, this is Monty Soka. Um, thank you for the opportunity. I just wanted to comment and thank the commission for taking up the issue on the advisory boards. Um, I'm the chair of the Affordable Housing Advisory Board at the moment, and we have struggled uh, recently with some of the, uh, the issues that you guys are going to be reviewing. So I'm really glad to see that the commission is going to review the board structure and uh, and all that. And that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Thank you, Monty. Is there anyone else online? You could raise your digital hand and we'll find you. There's no more comments, Pam. Very good. That brings us to the calendar. Any items we need to correct or add? Not seeing any waggly heads. Um, then that would bring us to the and move, move to adjourn. <laughs> I have a first and a second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Five to zero. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.